0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on
1: 630 Chad. The season is underway for the Toronto Blue Jays and in the top of the fifth, they lead Tampa Bay 3-1 and the Blue Jays are going to play the majority of their home games in Buffalo. Now they have to do some work on the stadium there. So their first game in Buffalo will be either One week from today, July 31st, against the Phillies, or it'll be delayed a little bit until August 11th against the Marlins, but the Blue Jays will have a home park for the majority of the Major League Baseball shortened season. The NHL has two home arenas for every team, and depending on who is designated, the home club for each game in the postseason. They're going to try to make it feel as much like the home team building as possible. We'll get into some of those details tonight. We'll tell you about some of the things happening downtown. We'll clarify some of the testing for the National Hockey League. A lot of information put out over about the last uh, 22 hours. If you were listening last night, I referenced that uh, just before 730 a lot of uh, people who cover the NHL got an email and uh, a video that provided some information, and I thought, "Oh, great! I'll, I'll watch this video during the 7:30 news, and maybe I can give people some updates." Well, the video was 49 minutes long, so I watched it after work last night. If you follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, I tweeted out a thread of some of the highlights. And then we got some comments today, a Zoom news conference featuring uh, people from the National Hockey League and then the Oilers Entertainment Group had one as well. So we'll get to some of those highlights. But I do want to begin tonight by uh, hearing from someone uh, very special, Emily Cave, Colby Cave's widow, and she has very fond memories of this goal. Leave up the right-hand side for Cave. He'll drive to the next Score! There you go. Right on
2: cue. Colby Cave down the right-hand side. Dragged
3: across the blue paint and tucked it inside the far post. The goal was so amazing. Um, I was actually just about to leave for the airport. We had got sent down to Bakersfield, and we had just gotten a puppy before. So the puppy was at my parents. So I phone back to get the puppy, and it was two minutes later, I was walking out of the door. Um, so I'm so glad I got to see it on TV and he was so excited. I remember him. I flew out like right after I saw it and I landed in Edmonton and he had the biggest smile on his face and it definitely wasn't because he was picking me up from the airport or our dog. It was definitely because of that goal. Um, I was so proud of him and he, yeah, he, he was so happy and I'm so glad that, uh, yeah, that, that we, we, all, we all got to witness that goal. I think it really showed um, how much of an incredible player he was um, and uh, that he would have had a really uh, amazing career in the NHL. Emily Cave very
1: strong, very proud this afternoon speaking to media over a Zoom call and of course tomorrow is the Colby Cave Memorial Fund scrimmage at the downtown community arena. The Oilers were not on the ice today so they get back at it at training camp tomorrow and Ever since Colby passed away, you've heard on this show and uh, a lot of media reports, uh, so many uh, of, of Colby's teammates with the Bakersfield Condors and with the Oilers j- just telling you what a great person he was, what a great teammate, teammate he was. And and Emily has heard a lot of those comments.
3: It's pretty remarkable. Uh, when Colby first got sick, uh, we started hearing stories and fans or teammates were reaching out, um, sharing incredible heartfelt stories. And I mean, I married Cole, I knew he was an incredible man. Um, I knew he was an incredible hockey player, but when you hear it from teammates or strangers, um, and the impact that they made on his life, um, it's pretty, it's pretty humbling and honoring. Um, I'll forever say I'm honored to be his wife. Um, and it will be my greatest honor and title, Um, So hearing those stories, and I mean, I was part of some of those stories, too, um, at team parties and got a sequel with those boys. And he really considered them um, like Ryan McLeod and Evan Bouchard, too, as his little brothers. And he took them under their wing and uh, he he was incredible to them. And uh, I know that uh, he'll be watching over them and uh, cheering them on.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. And you heard Matt Benning and Kyler Yamamoto talking about Colby Cave a couple of days ago. Uh, Matt Benning knowing uh, Colby Cave ever since they were both members of the, of the Bruins organization. So the scrimmage tomorrow, uh, the plan for them right now is to use the same teams that they used on that uh, Wednesday evening scrimmage. And uh, was that Wednesday evening? I got my days lost. I was Wednesday evening, Kellen, when they were on the ice uh, after yep. inside sports. Uh, so uh, they'll use those same teams, and they're going to have jerseys with their own names on the name bar, but they will all wear Colby Caves number 12, and uh, Emily will be able to attend.
3: I'm pretty honored to be able to go in and watch the game tomorrow. I uh, was in tears the other night, and I just it kind of had a – moment and it hit me that this is going to be the last time I'm going to see number 12 on the ice Um, so it means a lot that we can uh, go in and watch it for sure Um, unfortunately I won't be able to Uh, go see the teammates just because they'll be going into the hub Um, but there is like a surprise um, little gift that I'm going to do for them and write them a letter um, that they're going to have in their stall so when they get to the rink before like playoffs starts like in the next week or so there's going to be a letter from me um, and a gift as well. Um, That's my way of thanking them for all the support that they've given and Wish them good luck and just say Colb uh, is proud of all his uh, teammates and brothers, and uh, that we uh, can't wait to cheer them on.
1: So, Emily mentioned something there about giving each player a gift and a letter. Sometime next week, as they go into the qualifying round against Chicago, she won't be able to do it in person because of the restrictions with interaction here. As as the teams move into the bubble on Sunday, but she was uh, she was asked a follow up question about what exactly that is going to be.
3: So the players don't know. Actually, only Connor and Dave Tippett know um, what it's going to be. It's nothing like big or anything like that I just think it's really something special that they can either keep in their stall or um that they can wear every day or have Colby a part of them um so yeah I think I think they'll enjoy it but hopefully maybe they'll post about it and then we can all know
1: All right, that is Emily Cave. Uh, again, she was uh, so strong today, speaking, answering questions for the media. Obviously, very proud of Colby. Uh, been, uh, been a horrific time for her, but she's uh, doing her best here to to be brave and support the Oilers as they go into the postseason. And I'm sure we uh, we will find out eventually what her gift is for the Oilers as they get to roll set uh, get set to roll against the Chicago Blackhawks. Inside Sports on 6:30. Chat, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Now, speaking of the Oilers opponents, the Chicago Blackhawks veteran defenseman Brent Seabrook is out. He will not travel with the Blackhawks into the hub. The 35-year-old underwent two hip surgeries and right shoulder surgery in a five-week span earlier this year. Uh, he was supposed to miss five or six months he was hoping to be ready for the resumption of the season but he is not yet comfortable and uh, of course Corey Crawford has still not been seen for the Chicago Blackhawks so there's a, a little more lead up here to Edmonton series against Chicago that starts one week from tomorrow first there's the exhibition game on Tuesday we have that one for you on 630 Chad face-off show at 6 the puck will drop at 830 and the next Saturday it's a 1 p.m. game 1 p.m. game 11 a.m. face-off show game one edmonton and chicago i am happy to hear from you 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text you can email inside sports at 630 ched.com a lot of uh, audio to go through today and we have cut out the most significant clips from well a a variety of people Uh, some people with oeg some people with the national hockey league as they are getting the hub ready getting the bubble ready, getting Roger's place ready. If you saw any images last night or uh, in the last 24 hours in that uh, presentation put out by the National Hockey League, it looks like it's going to look pretty different. Uh, Screens everywhere, a whole bunch more cameras that will help you experience the game, and we will dive into some of those details when we get back. one for the Blue Jays, two out in the bottom of the fifth as they open up the season at Tampa Bay. And as I mentioned earlier, the majority of their home games this season will be played in Buffalo. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope your weekend is off to a great start. Really appreciate you spending some time with me tonight. Uh, a lot of hockey talk this evening about the Hub City and the bubble downtown and how the games are going to look. Uh, we're going to have John Shannon on the show a little bit later on. We will have uh, an interview with Brody Clark, from the uh, Edmonton Stingers basketball team. They're in St. Catharines in a hub city environment there, as it's the CEBL that they play in is just a seven team league. So they're going to have a round robin there and then playoffs and that's how they're going to have their season and crown a champion this year and and if you haven't heard Brody before on the show he is uh, an exceptional interview very smart young man uh going for his uh, he's still working on his master's in civil engineering he already has his bachelor's in that so uh, and he has a pro opportunity in Europe after he's done with the Stingers this summer so where it'll be good to catch up with Brody okay so over the last several weeks uh, you have had a lot of questions for me how is this going to work in a game? What what happens if this happened? And and quite frankly, sometimes I didn't know the answer or or I do half an answer. I I think I know a little bit more now. You probably do too, if you've been reading and watching stuff, but let's go over some of the highlights. And I've been asked a lot about, okay, the Oilers uh, get to stay in their own building and the Leafs for that matter. So do they just get to camp out in their dressing room? Do they get the advantage of having their home room? Well, You know, Gary Bettman said in that video yesterday that they don't want there to be a home ice advantage for the Oilers and the Leafs, that it should kind of feel neutral for everybody. And that includes uh, the dressing rooms. So Rogers Place has six dressing rooms that are going to be available for the NHL teams. And so obviously it'll be pretty busy because on on some days there's going to be three games in a day. So they're all going to be being used and then having teams clear out so another team can get set up for a game the next day or, or anything else that might be going on. So Chris King, the former player, is now the senior vice president of hockey operations for the NHL. And uh, I said, what's going on with the dressing rooms? Will the Oilers uh, at least sometimes get to use their own room? Here's what he said.
2: The schedule was built uh, once we received the the game schedule and the times. And uh, as you know, especially in the early going with three games a day, there is an early game, a middle day game, and a night game. And the movement of these teams and players uh, really depicted who was going to be in what room uh, and, and at what time. And your question in and about the Oilers is they are home. Uh, they have home ice advantage in their, in their first round and will be in their locker room for game one. Uh, ironically enough, playing Chicago, they will be the home team for game three and be in the Oilers' room uh, as the home team for that game. Uh, with teams moving in and out and games on different days, it really is dependent on the schedule and where the teams are and where they're coming from for movements is, is what is decided. We we also in Edmonton, because of potential back-to-back games, and there are some scheduled, uh, but is historically the home bench, when you watch the Oilers game, may not necessarily be the home bench. And it's uh, similar to uh, what we did in the World Cup and the referees Know who is the home team that day, but they may be actually on the historic visitors bench and be the home team. So it is all based on schedule and and game times and uh, uh, who is necessarily the home team in that uh, in that schedule.
1: All right. So there are some details. So the Oilers will be in the Oilers dressing room for game one. Chicago is going to be in there for game three, and teams will be cycling through. And they'll be making adjustments on the fly. I'm, I'm sure as teams get eliminated and then obviously it's going to be pared down as we move through the Stanley Cup playoffs. So a little bit of info there. Uh, so it's not as if the Oilers are totally kicked out of their own room, but, but they're not the only team that, that's going to have it. And sometimes the Oilers might be the home team in a game, but not have their home dressing room. And Chris, we're, like, we're used to seeing the Oilers defend the net on our broadcast left in the first and third periods. That might not always be the home team's net in the first and third as, as we go through the tournament. So they, they have to adjust a lot of things, a lot of planning for this, but a little bit there on how the dressing rooms will work. Somebody just texted in Rogers with six dressing rooms. Joe, you know how many uh, the Leafs Arena has? So what's it called? So they wrote in Air Canada. Is it Scotiabank Center now? Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, four dressing rooms in Toronto. I wrote down a lot of numbers last night as I was watching the video. And, and again, uh, if you want to check out my Twitter account from last night, I kind of did a thread with the stuff that I thought was, was pretty major, and then we got more details today. Um, there will be 38 practices in uh, the qualifying round at the downtown community arena and 78 at Terwilliger, where they're using the four ice sheets. And everything at Terwilliger will be cordoned off to the public. So if NHL teams bust down there, it'll just be an extension of the bubble. They're they're going to go in their own entrance and they will be cordoned off from the public. So it's not as if just because they're going to an active rec center, that they, they're, they might be passing the public or mingling or being asked for autographs or anything like that. That'll be an extension of the bubble, and so they'll have their own area at Terwilliger. So those are some, some other little things as well. I, I thought this was really interesting, uh, too, that goal, so- goal songs, goal horns will be specific for each team. Pump-up videos, replicated chants. Steve Mayer is the chief content officer for the NHL. And I said, who decides when to play the chants? And and will the visiting team get anything of theirs pumped in?
0: When it is their home game, uh, we will lean towards, and I'm I'm saying that lean towards um, their traditions and those sounds, those chants, those goal songs. I I think the only thing that we might add is if there is a goal for an away team, uh, based on the energy in, in the arena, we may be adding, and these are things that we're going to experiment with uh, once the teams get here. Uh, Goal songs for other teams, so that'll feel a little neutral. But when it comes to their fans participating, we are going to take into
1: account, you know, which team is is the home team. All right, more on the hub, the bubble, the game presentation. More of your questions, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Feel free to call or text. Up for tuning in tonight. 780 uh, 496 Rob says, Reed, I think that that's wrong. Only the Oilers should be able to use their dressing room. Yeah, Rob, like I said, the, the, the NHL doesn't want the Oilers or the Leafs to have any home ice advantage. Every other team is, is traveling and on the road the whole time. So the Oilers and the Leafs have to stay in the bubble, in the hotels like everybody else. And so they also have to adhere to a dressing room rotation. So they didn't want to say, okay, Oilers, you still get to use your dressing room, which is bigger and has a little more luxury than some of the other rooms. They said, we're just going to make that room uh, a, a part of the rotation. So that's, that's, why, they've, that's why they've done that. Uh, Cowtown Bob says... Regarding the delay of the TV broadcast, I like to listen to Bob and Jack while my sound on the TV is turned down. Before the pause, most games, Bob and Jack were about a second ahead of the television. Will you guys be able to delay your broadcast so it's in sync with the TV? Well, here's what I know, Cowtown Bob. The plan at the moment, anyway, is that uh, Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer will call the games from uh, a meeting room at the 630 Chad broadcasting compound, the chorus building, that has been. Turned into a temporary studio. And you may have seen some pictures of that on on 630 Ched's social media accounts throughout the week. And those are the same pictures I've seen because I have not been in the building since the uh, Easter weekend in April when I had to go in to pick something up. Haven't done a show there since I think April 7th. So. Yeah, I know that uh, I've heard that from other people in the past that that some people like to listen to the radio while the game's on TV, and we certainly do appreciate that, but the audio is is often off. Sometimes our radio audio is basically in real time and a a TV broadcast might be a little bit of a a delayed. I think a high definition signal has to be delayed because that's how it it, it goes out with the better quality. So now they're going to be calling the games on, on the TV. So if that's going out simultaneously with, with what they're seeing on the TV, it it should be synced up. That's how, that's how I think of it. Um, But I guess we're going to find out on Tuesday. So so we'll see. Uh, Mick says, will the NHL be protecting the Oilers logo that's on the floor in the locker room? Mick, the uh, Oilers logo is not on the floor in the new dressing room at Rogers Place. It is a huge lit logo in the ceiling. They, they do not have the f- big logo in the carpet that... You know, a lot of times you're uh, told to avoid walking on when you go into a dressing room. So that is not an issue. The uh, Oilers logo in the locker room is in the ceiling of the dressing room. So nothing on the floor. So you don't have to worry about that. Ted says having the Oilers share their dressing room could be a good thing. Be easier to recruit unrestricted free agents once they see how nice it is. Ted that, that's a good point, and and that could figure into this. That uh, players are going to see Rogers Place, spend a lot of time there. They will uh, going to see Edmonton at a time of year when it's a lot more pleasant than it is in the winter when they often come here, and there aren't a lot of hours of daylight, and the temperature is uh, usually well below zero Celsius. Now, having said that, um, they aren't going to get a full Edmonton experience because they'll, they'll have to stay inside the bubble. They they will have access to some restaurants and uh, food trucks and pop-up restaurants downtown. And uh, I think they're getting the use of the landmark cinemas in, in City Center Mall. So they'll have some stuff to do. But, but yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I, I mean, seeing Edmonton, seeing Rogers Place, who knows? Maybe someday down the road it helps with a free agent or two. Mossy says, is the Tuesday game on TV. The exhibition game is televised yes the game against the flames is televised and it's on six thirty, 30 ched and we're doing all our normal coverage in fact our face-off shows will be even longer than usual we usually do 90 minutes before a game we're going to do at least two hours for every uh, postseason game and we'll do two and a half hours for all the games that start at eight thirty on weeknights and then uh, rob and i are doing overtime open line after every game so that's all rolling along 780 496 0063 blue jay is now leading uh just got to Crane my neck a little bit here six three for the blue jays in the top of the sixth so tampa bay got a couple back in uh the fifth thanks a lot for tuning in tonight uh steve Mayer, nhl chief content officer and he's at rogers place for the duration getting the building ready and then he's going to stay in until the end of the stanley cup final what happened last thursday all that water damage here's the update
0: We, we had a, a bit of a scare for sure uh, but there are no issues at all everything has been repaired uh, the control room that had some significant damage has has all the equipment that was damaged has been replaced uh, we've turned on uh, the ribbon boards the score boards all of our data all back to normal no problems at all and uh, the the, the the crew here in, in Edmonton Oilers entertainment group has done a magnificent job in, in getting us back up and running. And there are no issues at all.
1: Okay. So everything's fine with the water damage. And they said the night it happened, that it was fixable. One of the big questions for this is how do you keep the players healthy? How do you make sure that if there is a positive test, the, the players out of the environment right away, all that kind of stuff. Um, Dr. Dr. Willem Mewissa is the uh, chief medical director for the National Hockey League, and he gave these details today on testing.
4: You know, when we started out on this whole endeavor, we, we said we were going to do two things. One was going to be that we were going to work with the local health authorities. And the second is that we did not want to embark on a strategy that was going to take away protective equipment or testing from vulnerable populations and healthcare workers. So, so as we built our strategy out, that was really front of mind for us. Um, and you know, right from the from the from the fact that the commissioner thankfully delayed our decision of where we were going, till we got to see where, where the trends were going with this pandemic, um, we were able to select two cities where we felt safe, and and the disease was was uh, was in much better shape than many other jurisdictions that we might have originally looked at. Uh, so that's one that's one issue is in terms of the number of cases there would be in the area, and then secondly, we contracted companies. Um, to do our testing, Dynalife in, in uh, Edmonton and Life Labs in Toronto, that that we were assured had access capacity. And even as the numbers have changed a bit in the last few weeks, um, we we know that the, the way we're doing the testing is using different staff, different reagents, and a different testing platform or machinery than is being used for the public testing. So. Um, the quicker turnaround time and the availability of testing is not subtracting from, from the publicly available testing. And In fact, in Edmonton's case, I, I know that they're even assisting with some of the provincial uh, lab activities uh, where the public testing is being done.
1: And also in that video the NHL put out last night, there was a photograph of all the testing stations in Fort Hall. They have the capacity to do 900 tests a day, so daily tests and positive tests identified, well, all tests identified within 24 hours. So there's a little bit on how that is going to work. And they've emphasized throughout this process, we're not going to take away from uh, whatever the public health authority is doing. And uh, as, as he explained, it's not going to detract from anything uh, that the public is going to need along the way. Okay, so here's uh, the other question for Dr. Mawissa. What happens if there's a positive
4: test, there's a lot of thought that's gone into into this question of you know what do we do with a positive test and and uh, what is the what is the exposure to other people within the bubble environment? Uh, obviously, some of it unique, um, and we've we've had a lot of discussion with the health authority and landed on a strategy that's that's quite similar to healthcare workers, where you know you you assume that there's a degree of exposure. Um, And uh, in the healthcare setting, uh, there's a number of protective measures that can be taken like we're taking in the bubble. Um, The one thing we cannot do with players is put masks on them when they play, but we're mitigating that risk by doing testing uh, on a daily basis. Um, We still will do contact tracing because there's degrees of exposure, and if we feel a degree of exposure is unusually high, uh, they still may be quarantined. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, this is a protocol that, that has had a lot of involvement and input and sign-off from the Players Association, so as a group, the players are comfortable with it, uh, and I think it will continue to be the case that, you know, if players are quite uncomfortable, that, that they have the option not to participate.
1: All right, so there's a little bit on on positive tests. I mean, clearly, any any player who who tests positive is is taken away from his teammates and and all the team personnel. He talked a bit a little bit there about contact tracing. So if they're concerned about it, they could quarantine uh, players or personnel who they think might have been uh, you know in a lot of contact with a positive player and and be safe with them. But with the daily testing and the bubble. Uh, they feel pretty confident that they can keep players healthy. And also today, Gary Bettman and, uh, and Steve mayor were talking about the bubble. They were, they were asked about the possibility of someone who doesn't belong in the bubble getting in. They were asked about a, a player or some naughty team personnel sneaking out of the bubble. Uh, and here's what they had to say about the integrity of the bubble. Somebody sneaking into the bubble will not be welcome.
5: Uh, and I say that in the most understated terms. And by the same token, uh, we had an internal conference call with our teams, which we subsequently made public. Um, we we've made it clear we don't expect any of our personnel, and I don't believe it will happen, to try and sneak out of the bubble. So we 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 think this is an impenetrable barrier from both sides people who are in the bubble shouldn't be leaving it and people who
0: aren't in the bubble shouldn't be coming into it if anybody if anybody wants to decide to try to get out of the bubble uh, the penalties are, are, are extremely severe and they're on the next plane's home and they're certainly not able to come back into the bubble
1: so in other words don't mess with the bubble we should get T-shirts made up that say that. Do not mess with the bubble. But I, I think Batman and Mare were pretty clear. And look, the, the players uh, know what life is going to be like. Uh, I mentioned some of the restaurant and entertainment options that the, the players might have downtown. It's not going to be quite like being on a road trip and getting to go out and experience nightlife and all those types of things but uh, there will be things for them to do and especially as you go deeper and deeper into the playoffs the closer and closer you get to the Stanley Cup so I would think you're not going to do anything that uh, that could put that at risk 7804960063 chad says hi reed I think it's fair that the city of Edmonton hasn't always had the best reputation among NHL players due to the cold weather or for whatever reason. I'm curious if you think having players in the city during the summer months during doing some golfing and experiencing downtown will be positive towards changing some perceptions or misconceptions of our city. Thanks for your input. Yeah, Chad, and that was sort of along the line. Somebody else texted earlier about free agents, Seeing the city. I, look, I think it can't hurt. I, I'm not going to come on here and say, well, every free agent that gets to be here in the summer is going to want to come to Edmonton. But look, anybody who lives in Edmonton um, knows that it is an entirely different city in uh, June and July than it is in November and December or whatever winter or summer months you want to correlate. We all know that in December, uh, you run to your car, you drive to work, you run into the office, you run into the grocery store, and and uh, you hunker down and and uh, and you watch movies and you watch Oilers games and 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 you do indoor stuff. And then in the summer, you can you know get out there and golf at six a.m. and. <laughs> And uh, eat your lunch outside, and barbecue when you get home, and still sit in the backyard, or go for a two-hour walk with the dog and/or the family, and it's still light out at ten o'clock when you get home. So, I, I, I do think that to some extent, there 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 might be a bit of an uh, of some eye-opening moments for NHL players and and people from other cities who have never been here in the summer that don't realize there is a season other than winter. Now, is it going to absolutely change uh, every UFA's mind? No. Uh, I mean, do players know that if they live in Florida, it doesn't snow in the winter at all. But I, I, I don't think it, I don't think it'll hurt that, that they'll realize like oh, wait a minute, there's there are things here. There, there's a different vibe here uh, in the summer than it is in the winter. So fair comment and again, is it going to make an immediate impact on free agents? I don't know. Um, but I think seeing the arena, a very modern arena, and getting a different experience with the city can't hurt. And maybe down the road, who knows? Maybe it's just a couple of players, but maybe it helps with recruiting. Big bubbles, no troubles. That is for Max. Max, that is profound. Back after the break. <laughs> Dry Seidel, Art Ross Trophy winner, finalist for the heart, finalist for the Ted Lindsey. And he'll be playing in the Colby Cave Memorial Fund scrimmage tomorrow at the Downtown Community Arena as uh, the Oilers have that. And then they go into the bubble on Sunday. And then the exhibition against the Flames on Tuesday. It's on 6.30, Chad. Face-off show at 6.00 and the game starts at 8.00. 30. Okay. 780-496-0063 to call or text. I hope I've been able to uh, answer some of your questions coming in today. On the text line, I want to get to a couple other clips here. Then we have John Shannon coming up between 7 and 7.30. And by the way, if you have any questions, John always has such a unique perspective on the broadcasting angle too and television presentation. So if you have any questions for John, don't hesitate to send those in. All right. So uh, I want to get to this. Uh, Steve Mayer, the Chief Content Officer for the NHL. Stu Ballantyne with OEG. He's the Senior Vice President of Operations for Rogers Place. They were asked and, and they were asked this because there's and if you've been downtown, maybe you've, you've seen this, that there, there is fencing going up to keep players kind of corralled and separated from the public. So they were asked today, well, what does that mean for downtown access for Edmontonians?
0: Obviously, we've put um, fences up, physical fences uh, from the Sutton Hotel, the Delta Hotel, uh, Delta Suites, JW Marriott and to Rogers Arena. Um, within those perimeters, we've given access, and, and it's been really well thought out, for those who are outside the bubble working downtown, trying to live downtown, to have access around our fenced-in areas. And um, great compliments to uh, the Edmonton Police Department and all of those uh, from the mayor's office that have given us um you know the the security and the personnel to be able, able to do what we need to do to protect our bubble but also allow Edmontonians that to, to freely be able to move and do their job and, and live downtown
5: yeah I, I think there's a there's a we have to have a balance we have to maintain the bubble but we do have to allow people to to, to circulate and get to work and to, to get home it's it's not as as open as it would normally be. uh, But we also have a a very strict uh, scenario here that we want to be able to get to the the end of this tournament safely. And we'll do that and make sure we respect uh, the businesses, the neighbours and uh, the citizens of Edmonton.
1: Mayor Iverson was also on that conference call and he mentioned he wanted some things uh, adjusted when he saw the original plan. So the people who live and work downtown or, or you might go there for, for dinner or whatever. I know their options are a little limited during the, during the pandemic, but he wanted some things adjusted. So I uh, know I haven't been down there. I don't know how it's going to get once, uh, once the players get using it, but there will be fenced off areas. It will be different, but it sounds like if, if you are someone who uses downtown either to work or shop or live, Uh, you'll still be able to do the things you do. Maybe some of your roots might change a little bit, but uh, that's the answer there. Also, uh, I want to get to this. Gary Bettman commenting on if players' families will be coming into the bubble. I know it's been talked about that perhaps for the conference finals and the cup final, we could see players' families coming in.
5: The the, the presence uh, or or not of families is still a work in progress. Uh, It's something that the health authorities in Alberta, among others, will have to blast we will take our cues from medical people, uh, both on behalf of the league and the players Association. And remember, by the time we get to the conference final, uh, assuming we're able to to make an accommodation uh, for families and perhaps some others,' uh, we'll, our numbers will be dramatically reduced from where we're going to find ourselves this Sunday when twenty four teams are converging on the two on the two hubs. So it's still very much something that has to be worked on.
1: All right, so th- that's another one of those topics where we can tell you maybe what will happen, but look, they're gonna f- they're gonna have to figure out some things as it goes along and and react to the COVID situation. So it's it's a maybe for families coming into the bubble, but that wouldn't be until later on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got a break for the news and the weather. John Shannon will hop on. I'll probably ask him about the Kraken the Seattle Kraken, and uh, his reaction to some of the things he's heard over the last 24 hours about game presentation and the integrity of the bubble. The bubble! This is Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside
0: Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.